Hey, buddy. Do you like NASCAR? Do you like a tribe called Quest? Well, you're going to love the Urban Conservative. Do you like manwich and nachos? Well, then you'd love the Urban Conservative. Do you like guns? Do you like butter? Well, you're going to love the Urban Conservative. Yo, what's good, sir? You like pit bulls, say? You like solving Sudoku puzzles? Then you're going to love the Urban Conservative. Hey, buddy, if your car making a sound like this, you might want to get you some power steering fluid and check out the Urban Conservative podcast. Are you repulsed by the idea of drag queen story time at your local library, but enjoy Carol Baskin TikTok memes? Then you would enjoy the Urban Conservative. Do you want to slap your boss and then go home and make yourself some golden brown pancakes covered in butter and freshly made warm boysenberry syrup? Then you'll love the Urban Conservative. You little over Cardi B and you repulsed by the thought of Hogmaw. Check out the Urban Conservative. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. Peace and love. Peace and love, everybody. You are tuned in to another episode of the Urban Conservative. Shouts out to my twin brother, Dual Ali, who's coming off of a successful North Carolina GOP convention. Got to spend some time with the with the former president, Donald Trump. Uh, got to you know see some wonderful people out there. We actually sponsored a sweet Friday night. It was an amazing time. Ali will be on tomorrow night to talk about that. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Please do us a favor. Hit the like, follow, subscribe. Head over to TUConservative.com. You see it on your screen. Get a membership. It's $10 for the year. You get access to our exclusive content. You get the monthly newsletter, access to the blog, the TUC community. You get a site profile. It's well worth it. And you get to support an independent business. You get to support a conservative outlet for $10 a year. So you can't really beat that. Uh, really quickly, before we bring our guest on, uh, today is a, a sad day for the family. So uh, we'd like to, to give our sincere condolences to the Spring and Damasco families for the unexpected passing of Shannon Spring. Uh, our hearts and prayers are with them. We will be uh, attending the services this evening. So again, uh, you know, our hearts, our prayers, our love, our strength out to the Spring and Damasco families for the untimely loss of Shannon. Um, so now with that said, I want to kind of transition into our guest for today. I've been looking forward to this as a local Southampton town resident uh, and somebody who sits on the GOP committee here and, and always wanting to talk and learn more. And I'm always interested when candidates want to come on uh, for the first time coming to the Urban Conservative podcast. Uh, we have the good sister, Cindy, a.k.a. Cynthia McNamara coming on the show right about now. What's good? Peace, peace. Hello. Hey, hey. So let's get let's get you. Yeah, you got an overlay here. Let me get you with the overlay too. See, look, we got colors, not just beach. We got color, color action here. How's it going for you today, Cindy? Good. Good. Can't complain. Yeah, good. I, I yeah, who who cares when you do though? That, that's always my question. Like, who cares? Nobody. We complain. Nobody cares. <laughs> so, so uh 
listen, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I had to change up the time due to the services this evening, and I appreciate you comment, uh, you know, uh, being so accommodating for that. I really appreciate that. I know you're busy. So thanks for I'm coming sorry. on the show. Sorry for your loss. Oh, no, no. Thank you. So uh, lifelong resident in the town of Southampton, right? How is it growing up here for, the, for those of our viewers who only hear about the Hamptons and hear about Long Island? What was it like growing up, you know, here in the town of Southampton? Um, back when you drove, rode your bicycles everywhere and, you know, came home when the streetlights came on, you know, back in the good old days. Uh, when you knew your neighbors and everybody helped out, um, not that they don't anymore. And, and the funny thing is now that, you know, as I'm running, calling up friends that I graduated high school with, um, just the outpouring of people that have come to help, um, that want to see a true local on the town board, somebody that's, you know, they, they know is, is for bettering their family situation, not for furthering themselves in politics. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great feeling when you have people to support you. Um, it's just been, it's, like I said, you said, I grew up here, you know, my parents were renters. I owned my first home before my parents owned their first home. Um, so I know, I know people, you know, I have friends that are still, you know, they've raised families here. They've never owned a house. They're still renting. Um, we go through and, and you know, and I, I remember as a kid moving around, you know, when, when, when one rental would end, we'd move to another. Um, it's hard. It's hard on kids. And when I when I say I want our kids to be able not only to afford to live here, but to want to live here. Um, I don't think I my kids I, would, I wouldn't want my kids living in a hundred unit apartment complex. Yeah. I don't think that's why people want to live here. Um, so if you're just looking at solving the houses, housing crisis by shoving us all into boxes, it, it's it's a quality of life issue. You know, I want my kids to be able to buy a two bedroom starter ranch and fix it up like my husband and I did. Right. And, you know, we really do have a problem in Southampton with affordable housing. And the answer to that is not putting people in boxes. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, especially especially families. And, you know, my family growing up, you know, we, we lived in a five bedroom house in Southampton Village. And I remember my parents paid seven hundred dollars a month. I mean, that's wow. well, that's, that's throwback. That's throwback <laughs> Thursday. This is the back to growing up in the Hamptons. That was growing up back in the growing up in the Hamptons back when. Um, so let me, let me ask this question. How, you know, being a lifelong resident, I've been here 12, 13 years, something like that. Right. Uh, what are some of the changes you've seen, though? Uh, give me some good examples and some bad examples of some of the changes you've seen in the town over the last, say, 15 years, for example. Bad example, trade parade. Um, didn't exist. It, it was, you know, everybody used local contractors, local people. And I think we've gone beyond that. Not only have we had people can't afford to live here that work here, um, we also have the masses looking for the cheapest avenue to get services done so they're bringing in people from up the island um good changes i honestly i don't know I, you asked me to name something good that has changed since i was a kid in southampton i can't really name you anything i mean like i said back when you knew your neighbors i mean now people are living next door to people that are out at their homes you know weekends 
some weeks here and there, um, or they're dealing with renters, or they're dealing with Airbnbs. They're dealing with, you know, I have friends who are moving out of their house and, and they're camping for the summer because they rent their house out for the summer so they can afford to live here the rest of the year. I mean, this is this is where we're at. And it's not a good place for the working class. And my big thing is, you know, like I said, my husband and I are landscapers. And my big thing going into this was, God, if we only had more people in work boots and less people in suits in government, maybe we could get some stuff done. Right. Um, I think I think they're out of touch. I don't think they understand where we're all coming from. And like I said, their answer of putting us all in boxes, they're out of touch. They're out of right. touch with local businesses. They're passing laws that don't facilitate businesses making money and, and they're just putting more pressure on local people. And it's hard you know, to sit back and watch it happen. And my husband's been asking me forever, when are you going to run? When are you going to run? A lot of people have been asking me locally, like, you know, cause I'm very vocal, <laughs> very vocal and right. I have an opinion and you'll hear it, <laughs> but it was, it was pretty much, it came down to enough is enough. I mean, the people that we have currently in local government are looking for a step up. They're looking for a step up to another position another political, you know, who, who's the next, I, when you get down to you're changing your parties so that you can get on a ticket, you don't care about this town. And for me, it's not about politics. It's about doing the right thing. And it's about families. And it's about, you know, like I said, my kids wanting to live here. Cause right now I don't know if they want to live here. I have one that can't wait to get out. And one that says, this is where I want to stay, but I'm afraid I won't be able to. Hmm. So a lot of my friends are in the position of still, they're that second generation of the original families who had land, who have been able to get housing through family, hmm. who have either subdivided or sold off land to be able to stay here. But we're beyond that now. And, and they're looking at their kids going, I can't do for you what my parents did for me. So we're at that generation now where it's make it or break it. And right. you add that you add the you add the politics politics of New York to the situation. Most of these people don't want to stay here. So you know let, me, let me let me ask you this. What's your take, right? Because this is I and I'm only speaking for myself here. So this my views don't represent any of the committees or any of the mm -hmm. boards I may sit on. This is just purely Raheem's opinion, right? I get so agitated during the summer. Because it's like this influx of people. And during the summer, it's like walking up and down Montauk Highway. It's like drunk kids. It's And they so, like, I don't know. It's like weird condescending for the, the people that come to visit. Like, we, we're here all year round. And mm -hmm. they, I don't know. The summer just brings, like, this weird energy. Do you feel that or am I alone in that? Like, is that a weird thing? No, and I think it's it's more now. I think we have the whole Airbnb situation going on. And, and I think, you know, people are, it's just a, it's just an open door policy now. And it's, it's just, it used to be people would come out here, but they owned their homes out here and they would come out here. And for the most part, I would say they were respectful of the locals and they liked going to the farm stand and talking to the local farmer or the local, you know, people that work there. And I don't think they care anymore. I think they're coming out here to look for the next party 
or the next social experience. And it's not, it's not like, like, again, going back to what you said about a good thing that has changed from when I was a kid, it's hard to name one. It really is because even that, even to the, even when you get down to our summer residence, I feel like there's this disconnect now between, I don't think they care about the local community. I don't think they want to find out about the local community and our struggles. They're here for a vacation. Mm. And you yeah, know, I, I think that's it. I think you hit the nail on the head because I, I can tell when I'm in line at 7-Eleven who's a local and who's not. By the way you're interacting with the staff or when I'm out, you know, I mean, Heather and I are out eating somewhere during the summer, we can tell this guy must not be from around here. Like you, like the way they're talking to people, sometimes they're very rude and they bring that like New York City energy. Uh, do you think the influx of people from the city is is having a big effect on the local landscape politically and, and as far as, you know, just the local community itself? Do you think all of this pandemic stuff coming, you know, people being coming east is, is hurting us out here on the east end? Because I personally think it is. You know, I, you know, I see it because I have, and, and I'm, in, I'm in a position where I work for these people, okay? Well, right, I was going to say that. The people that I work for, I have to say, they're like a second family to us, a lot of them. They treat us well because I won't work for somebody that treats me like garbage. And I won't work for somebody that isn't willing to basically take into a fact that I have a family and I have other obligations and, you know, be cognizant of that. Um, I, our customers, I, I've seen a lot of them come through and, they, and they've started, they were here last year. Last year we went to a property, everybody was there. Everybody was there from April, from March, when it all hit, all the way through the summer, everybody was here. Um, and the funny part was, because nothing was open, we would show up and like my husband would say, just, just do me a favor, just go talk to them because I need to get work done. Because they would come out of their houses and they were just so grateful for somebody to, like a person to speak to and have a conversation with. And so- <laughs> Like a movie almost, like people, wow. Yeah. So it came down to, you know, then it came down to, so they were all here and they were all loving it. And I really think they do. Like I saw more gardens and backyards last year from people that could care less about gardens. You know, now this year they're expanding. They kind of came out here and I want to say either it was, they came out here and they were the, the selfish people that came and raided store shelves and cleared us out and were all about themselves. I have a picture of a guy at King Cullen with a car full of stuff that most of us would have killed for at the time, bought everything out. Um, you know, the people that bought extra freezers and, and, and all the stories you heard about. And then there were these people that had their home out here, like my customers, that said, you know, I have a safe place to go to that's out of the city because nobody wanted to be in the city when all this came down. And they came out here and they acted like locals, like normal people. And they did the right thing. Um, those people now are, and, and then we came to September when, you know, mm -hmm. you and I were wondering if our kids were going to go back to school or not. Right. And they were headed back to the city because their private schools, their kids were going back in person for four or five days a week. Yeah. Um, so they're now all back, like pretty much all the people that I, I've, dealt with they're all back to their regular lives their regular regular you know it's i don't think 
when you say that it changed, it did change out here in some respects, um, but in others, it really didn't. And I, and I think we're going to see it more now as businesses start to open up, who really is supporting the local businesses, who really right. is going to, you know, turn this around for our community um, or who was here just for a good time during the pandemic because right. it was an easy place to be. Um, and there are, we do have a lot of summer residents that truly care about our community that helped out at food banks that, you know, like I said, did the right thing and tried to help the community and be a part of the community. Um, and those are the people that we need to have here and we need to stay here. It's this influx of, you know, houses that are turning over every week. I mean, on my own street, I have a party house that, you know, they're not doing the right thing and they're technically locals. So it's not just the summer people, it's our local people that sometimes aren't doing the right things as well. And, you know, it comes down to, do we have laws that can be enforced? Are we enforcing our laws? Are we, you know, and it comes down to quality of life issues. And I think that's the most important thing. And it's, it's, you know, when you come down to the, the rentals that are turnovers and party houses and all, this was 20 years ago, I remember party houses. I, you know, we, we lived in Hampton Bays and I had a guy from who knows where stumble into my house at 5.30 in the morning after my husband went to work. And I have like, you know, my baby's crawling around the corner and I look over and I'm like, who are you and why are you here? And wow. he didn't even know who he was or where he was. Wow. You know, so it's, and, and, and now Hampton Bays, I think, you know, having gotten rid of all of the clubs because I'll tell you, when I when I was younger, I did some partying in Hampton Bays. Um, right. And it's all gone now. They The town has shut it all down. But what have they brought in? Mm, you know, good question. All, all of those hotels, all of those businesses that were flourishing, you know, every, I don't want that in my neighborhood. Well, now you don't have it, but now you have, what, the second highest tax rate in the town? Yeah. Crazy. Everything comes with a, with, a, with a flipped coin. And I think that's the biggest thing we're going to start seeing now with with more and more of an influx of second homeowners, and I won't even call them summer residents at this point, they're just second homeowners, third homeowners, fourth homeowners, buying into neighborhoods or communities or areas where we have stuff going on that they don't want and trying to kick it out. No, that's uh, a thing. That's a thing. Shout out to my partner, David Hensley, uh, down in North Carolina. He said that uh, over a 15, 20-year period, they were moving people in specifically to take over local organizations and local communities, and he watched it happen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking with Cindy McNamara, who is the candidate for Southampton Town Council. Uh, the town council is a very important situation, very important job and, and task and uh, elected position here in the town. Do us a favor, head over to tuconservative.com, get yourself a membership, follow us on all social media. Remember to share this content. It's very important that you share it. We need to support conservative Republican candidates, conservatives and Republicans or conservative Republican. However you want to word it, we need to get out and get people with some sense. And like, like Cindy said a few moments ago, uh, people that don't mind getting their hands dirty, people that actually work hard for a living to get into some of these positions because they're going to make policies that are going to benefit the community as opposed to a political career. And I really appreciate you saying that. So uh, my next question, very, very, very simple question, right? Um, the elections in November, and uh, this is we're, we're kind of a long ways away, and I, I don't want you to give up the game plan, but um, 
your name rings a lot of bells here locally. So uh, how important has it been being involved? And I don't want to say politically, but with things like the East Quag Facebook group that you manage and some of the other things. Let me let me give the folks some accolades here. Uh, in 2017, she formed the Concerned Citizens of East Quag. Uh, and where's the other thing at? You had a um, you served on the East Quad East Quag Board of Education. Now I'm we're big education advocates here. What do you think of this critical race theory thing? I'm just curious. Like, and if you don't want to speak on it, cool. But what's your thoughts on this? Have you been seeing this? What, what they're proposing with this? I've seen it. I, to be honest, I haven't really given it a lot of. I haven't really looked into it as much as I probably should have. Okay, um, so so don't worry about it. I'm gonna give you next time you come on. We're gonna as, as somebody we know we say we're gonna circle back to that one. Right, yeah. we'll circle. We'll circle back for that one. But and I promise you, I'll have I'll have a whole opinion on that. All right, perfect. perfect I'm not perfect. afraid of opinions. I will take an opinion, and that and that's and that's probably my biggest asset and my biggest downfall is. I, I take stances and I, I make opinions and I make my, my voice heard and I, I'm not afraid. Um, you know, there's been big things happen in East Quag that I've taken stances on and, you know, I know I'm going to get called out on it and but I do can you back down. Though, back up. Do, do you back down oh, or do you stand no. on them? That's what we talk oh, about. Oh, so I will stand, as long as you do I that, stand I'm, on it all day. I got I can support that. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the East Quag Citizens Advisory Committee thing uh, in 2018. Local committees like that. I love these local committees because what that does is outside of Republican, Democrat, conservatives, mm -hmm. it gives people something to come together in support of the community. So uh, talk to us a little bit about that committee and some of the things that committee does and did. Well, well, I was. Um put on the, I was asked, I joined the CAC, which is a town committee. Um, the town has them for all of our hamlets because our hamlets, you know, villages have their own government. So they have their own voice. They have their own say in things. Um, the hamlets, not so much like Flanders, um, East Quag, Hampton Bays. We don't have, there. there is no, the way the town board is set up, there is no like representation for each hamlet. So right now, say Hampton Bays has two council people that are from Hampton Bays. East Quag has none. Um, so the CAC was really supposed to bridge that gap and be our voice to the town board. The town board severely, and I can't stipulate this enough, severely um, discounts the CAC committees. Um, these are committees of local citizens that take their time every month to meet to talk about everything from traffic issues to quality of life issues. Um, we, we run the gamut of anything that's happened in our community. And are we heard? That's, that's debatable. Um, the town doesn't utilize these committees. They don't ever come to us and say, you know, this is, this is coming up. We're looking at this. How would this affect your community? Would you like to weigh in? The only time the town comes to us is when there is something up for a public hearing that they know that we will support. Then it becomes, hey, this is coming up. Would your committee like to send a, a letter or, or speak in support of this? They do this with every committee from the sustainability to the solid waste. Every committee 
gets pulled out of their hat when they want us to support something. But when it comes down to we have traffic issues, you know, East Quag has been, you know, you live on Lewis. I live on Lewis. You know, things have changed in seven years on Lewis Road. Yeah, Lewis is crazy sometimes. The town doesn't care. I can't get out of my driveway in the morning because of the traffic. Um, and the speeding and whatnot, it's, it's you know, it's a toss. It's old country. So we asked about a simple thing, speed signs. Can, can we get, well, we started with stop signs. Oh, no, 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 no. The town does not want to hear about stop signs because stop signs cause accidents. And you'll get a whole spiel about why stop signs cause accidents. Meanwhile, we have little kids that have no sidewalks that ride their bikes. And we just need the traffic to slow down sometimes. So when we were turned down for stop signs, we said, what about the speed signs that tell you how fast you're going, tell you to slow down? Well, Bridgehampton has nine of them on Butter Lane, on Lumber Lane, on Ocean. Bridgehampton has nine of them. So when we asked, how do we get, oh, well, the Bridgehampton CAC got support from Brad Thiel and the state, and they got a state grant. So what we were basically told was your volunteer group that is whose purpose is supposed to be to let the town board know what's going on in your hamlet, you should now be trying to find fund state grants to solve your own traffic issues. Now, no, 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 that's not how it works. We tell you there's traffic issues. You work with the state. You find the grants and you help us solve the problem. Well, that's not how our town works, you know, and I'm laughing because, you know, it, it's there's going to be supposedly this whole clean water line on the ballot this year. Well, ask anybody in East Quag when they needed access to clean water. Who fought for clean water? Who? Now, I'm glad you brought I'm glad you brought that up. Not I'm one glad single that person up. that's going to be on that line fought for them. So what what do you attribute, right? Because in my mind, that for things to get that bad, right, this is a lack of paying attention to our critical infrastructure here. For for our water levels to get to a certain point means someone's not paying attention to this. So is that us not holding these elected officials responsible or is it a lack of us knowing that we can? Like, what do you think that problem is? I think it's both. And I think I think what it comes down to is, and this is my big thing is, you know, Everybody's caught up, the local people, the local people like me, like you, are caught up in the day-to-day -day trying to put food on our table, trying to take care of our kids, make sure they have what they need, and who has time to babysit the people that are supposed to be doing the right thing? You know, we all take for granted that they're doing the right thing because that's what their job is. That's their only job. And I'm telling you what, the more and more I get into politics, the more disgusted I am by how little it is about doing the right thing and how much it is about, about who you're going to please and the politics of the whole situation and covering things up and making sure you look good because you're going to be moving on to trying to run for state senator or, or you know, assembly or whatever your next appointment is. I don't care about any of that. I care about the people that are here now that are dealing with these situations. And I'm glad you brought infrastructure up because I already got kicked off this podcast once tonight because my internet was down. 
So what are we going to do? We're going to we're going to solve our housing crisis by putting in hundred unit subdivisions. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the roads. We don't have the internet service. We don't have the we don't have a lot of things that need to be in place. So do you know what the town just did? There used to be a stipulation that in order to have one of these housing developments, you had to be within a certain distance of public transportation, of food, of a number of things. They increased the distance. That's how they solved the problem. You're not going to have public transportation, so we'll just say you don't have to have public transportation. So when you when you talk about infrastructure and you talk about housing crisis, it's hand in hand and nobody's solving the problem. They're pushing the buck down the road. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a serious problem. And uh, I'm I'm glad there are people on on the you know on the right, middle right, you know, center right as we call it. Um, you know, that are running people like yourself that are that are entrepreneurs, that are hardworking people, because honestly, I knew who you were based on your business. And and I, I also want to ask, how important is entrepreneurialism to you and your family? Because that's a we, we advocate for that big here, teaching the kids, you know, sure, it's cool to want to have aspirations to be a rapper or a singer, but we need landscapers. We need plumbers. We need electricians. We need people that can actually do physical things. So how important uh, is entrepreneurialism and business ownership to you? It's very important. And I don't think we're at the point I'm in an industry, you know, when you, you talk about landscaping and you talk about industry that has changed, you know, my husband grew up, his father was a landscaper. His farmer was a farmer before he became a landscaper, started his landscaping business, did very well. Um, my husband started his business when 20 some odd years ago. Um, it's different now. It's totally different now. There's no level playing field. Um, we're dealing with a lot of people that are not licensed, they're not insured. The town does nothing to make sure anybody's licensed or insured. There's, it, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a hard living now to make. And I mean, I think the trades of plumbers and electricians, and they're very much in high demand. Um, but we don't have our schools really pushing trades jobs. You know, our, our schools are full on pushing college education. College, got to go to college, college education when there are a lot of kids that are far more suited to trades and they would do extremely well in trades and hopefully stay here. And we would have the next generation of tradesmen right from our own community. Instead, right. we're shuttling them in. Mm -mm -mm. So I, I have to take this moment to shout out as, as you can see, I have on the Blexit t-shirt shouts out to my Blexit New York chapter. Uh, we just had a talk on the fifth about trade school versus college and shouts out to professor Nick and the other gentleman that was on. Uh, we just had this conversation. So I'm glad you said that. And it kind of reinforces uh, what we were saying and what they were saying on the podcast that these trades are important. These skills are going to be necessary in, in America's future, having a, a life equal to or better than their grandparents. Do you think the next generation's life will be as good as ours or worse? Like, like, and in, in, if you could fast forward, do you see the next generation having it as good as us or worse? I, I you know, it's a hard one. I'm right. I mean, it is. It's tough. And that's as, good, as, as good as us. 
as good as us, as good as us, you're talking about somebody that you know basically went right into life. I mean, I graduated and I was working three jobs when I graduated high school. I mean, I got home from my job at 4:30 a.m. and was at graduation at nine. Um, you know, and I think that's discounted a lot too. I think people put all this, you know, you know, we get into politics. We're talking about lawyers. We're talking about people with, you know, doctorates. We're not talking about, like I said, the working class people. And I think if we had more working class people in government, we would have better government because we would have people that understand what it takes to make that dollar that you're going to spend. We would have people that understand, you know, there has to be a quality of life issue for people to have time with their family and places to go and things to do. It's it's a whole circle of of basically listening to people. And if we're not going to have those people in government, we need to listen to those people. When we make laws, we need to make see how they're going to impact the working class. You know, it can't be all about and there's this big thing right now about being green in the environment and it's all great and it's all good. And does it all need to happen? Yes, but it can't be at the at the at the whole behest of people losing careers and jobs and and money and and not living now. I mean, mm -hmm. it has there has to be a balance is what I'm saying. It can't it can't be all or nothing. There has to be a balance. And the town has put this like end zone clock in for being carbon neutral and all this. Well, a lot has to happen. And the more you look at what's happening in the world and you look at putting all of this on America, you know, it's not logical. You know, we're not the biggest polluter polluters in the world. And last I checked, all of our emissions go to the same place. Not right. saying we can't help the situation, but, you know, to do it at a detriment to our families and our businesses and our local economies, it can't happen. You know, the biggest thing and I laughed about the other thing. And I said, this is this is like government in a picture. And it was a giant plastic cup with a plastic lid and a deflated, broken paper straw. Yeah, you know, that, that's where we're at. The, 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 the problems that they're solving are for PR. They're not for right. real quality of life issues. Right. And that's a big thing. And, and I'm I keep I'm glad that you said that, like. 10 times already mostly what we what we're trying to get people to understand is that yes we want you to vote a particular way because we're trying to deal with the quality of life to improve and maintain the quality of life that will allow for growth and development of these communities and to to preserve because one thing i noticed about moving here and, and it was a little uh from somebody coming from out west used to a little bit more of a pace a little faster of a pace um the more i've gotten used to after about 9 30 is maybe a car every five minutes that goes by. My doors open ninety percent of the time. You're, you're right? on the you're on the good end of Lewis. <laughs> so it's like, but relatively no cars, right? So I get used to this this tranquility. I get used to. I, I still haven't got used to the birds anymore. Does that aggravate you at all? The amount of birds at seven fifteen. Does that? I, that I, have, weird? I have chickens, so. <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you now, Cindy. It's a thing for me. I'm. I'm it's a a practice in, in like being. Uh, calm because i like tweet, tweet 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 and it's like the same i'm starting to be able to identify the species i think i don't know the names but I, i'm like that's harry and that's tom <laughs> there's a woodpecker that's woody 
And it's like, I, I, it's the weird, wildest thing. So uh, I would love, I would really love to have you back on the podcast. I'm glad you took a few minutes to come on. I wanted to introduce you to our audience, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking to Cindy McNamara, who's running for Southampton Town Council. If you have friends or family on the East End that are of legal voting age, please go to the shtowngop.com. Her bio is there. She has a Facebook page, right? You have a Facebook page? Yeah. What's your Facebook page? It is uh, Cindy McNamara for Southampton Town Council. Well, that one right there, right? That's the one right there. That's, That's it. it. Right? So head over to her Facebook page. She has an IG account. Website coming. We doing website? Uh, I have a website, McNamara for the number four, Southampton.com. Okay, perfect. I would love to have you back on in a couple of weeks, a month or so, get some updates on the campaign. And I'm pretty sure people could... No, hold on. We got a fundraiser coming up for you, right? We bugging yeah. now. What are we doing? We're not even plugging the, the on fundraiser. Sunday. Okay, hold on. See, now I got to pull up the... We got to get the fundraiser up here. How we going? How we going to do it like this? Hold up. So, ladies and gentlemen, Sunday, what's that date for Sunday? It is June 13th at 4 p.m. Okay, at the, okay. At the, right. at the North Sea Community House. Where's that located? It is at 130 Noyak Road. All right, so as you say this, I'm pulling up the flyer, and I had it up the whole time. Hold <laughs> on, share. It should have just popped up, and it didn't. That's the, the beauty of doing a live show. Um, so here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We got upcoming events right there. You see that right there? We got it. We got it. Yay. So we got events. Yes, that is Sunday, June 13th, 130 Noyak Road, Southampton, uh, from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Please come and enjoy with the friends of Cindy McNamara, her campaign kickoff fundraiser at the North Sea Community House. I will be in the building. The Urban Conservative will be in the building. It is a suggested donation of $50 and a donation of $90 for uh, couples. It is being paid for by the friends of Cindy McNamara for Southampton Town Council. So uh, before I let you go, before I get out of here, this is a tradition on this show. Uh, every All of our first time guests, I'm going to throw some names at you. This is a one word association game. You are to say one word if you can. And the prize is you get to plug whatever you want to plug. There are no losers. But I'm going to throw some names at you. One word response if you can. All right. Here we go. First. Whitney Houston. Amazing. Okay. All right. Tate, that's easy game. No, not that much pressure. All right. Second, second, second name. Second name. Um, little Yachty. Who? <laughs> perfect. All right, perfect. All right. All right. All right. Carlton from the Fresh Prince. Oh, can I do the dance? That, that, that counts. That's a thing. That's a thing. All right. Um, uh, we're going to go with um, Barbara Bush. Oh, the pearls. Pearls? Okay, sold. All right, uh, two she's more. She's a classy lady. Okay, classy lady. Okay, two words, but good enough for me. All right, two more, two more, two more. Um, this this might be a little awkward, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Don Rickles. Oh, my God. I can picture his face, but I couldn't, like, I That's can picture his face. All right, perfect, perfect. Okay, last but definitely not least, Cindy McNamara. Honest. There we go. So you've completed the game. The floor is yours. Plug away. Let everybody know where they can find you, what you got going on, and uh, and then we'll get up out of here. Uh, McNamara4Southampton.com. Uh, it's McNamara, the number four. Southampton.com is my Facebook page. Um, you already put up my Facebook. Um, that was my website. I'm sorry. 
Um, and then just, you know, I'm sure you'll be putting up all kinds of info on your page. So they can follow will. you. Yep, they yep. can follow you and, and get more info that way. And I, I really appreciated you having me on and, and, you know, great questions and, you know, yeah, definitely, yeah, un it. definitely unscripted. <laughs> well, that's how we, that's how we like to do it to keep it nice and, you know, real. So we don't do these like scripted kind of interviews. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, you see, I got, I got all kinds of it's things. Beautiful family. Yeah. Everybody is in the background. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you've been watching the Urban Conservative Podcast. I'm Raheem Architect Soto for my twin brother, Abdul Ali, and the rest of the family. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. Look for us on your favorite podcast apps. We will have Cindy back on the, on the podcast. I promise you that. Remember, if you're listening, comment on the video, uh, comment on the audio. We're on all the streaming platforms. We really appreciate that. And then on the, on the closing note, once again, I want to send out condolences and love to the Springs and to the Damasco family. Uh, we'll see you guys in a little bit here. With that said, this has been the Urban Conservative, episode 24 with Cindy McNamara. We out of here. Thank you. Not bad.